Welcome to Balance 365 Life Radio, a podcast that delivers honest conversations about food, fitness, weight, and wellness. I'm your host, Annie Breeze, along with Jennifer Campbell and Lauren Kosky. We are personal trainers, nutritionists, and founders of Balance 365. Together, we coach thousands of women each day and are on a mission to help them feel healthy, happy, and confident in their bodies on their own terms. Join us here every week as we discuss hot topics pertaining to our physical, mental, and emotional well-being with amazing guests. Enjoy. Do you ever feel like you want to change a habit, but you're just stuck? I know I've been there many times, and as much as I would love changing behavior to be a matter of just doing the thing I want to do, it's not always that simple. Intentionally changing behaviors is actually a process, and this process is called the trans-theoretical model of behavior change. It's been around since the 70s, and it's a series of stages that we all go through when we're intentionally trying to change our behavior, regardless if we're talking about eating more carrots or trying to quit smoking. On today's episode, Jen, Lauren, and I, along with our super smart Head Balance 365 coach, Melissa, we discuss the five stages of change, what they look like, what they sound like, and what they feel like, so you can create awareness of this process to either help propel yourself forward in the change process or simply knowing and owning where you're at. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Ladies, welcome to the show. We have a full house today. There's four of us on the show. This is going to be like a party. Don't all speak at like once. A party. <laughs> a party for one. A party at 1230 in the afternoon in our bedrooms by ourselves. A virtual party. <laughs> uh, we have a special guest. Melissa, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you for joining us. Thanks um, for having me. Tell our listeners your official role with our company and uh, role outside of our company, I guess. Any any certifications or anything that you want them to know about you? Sure. Um, with Balance 365 Life, I am Director of Programming and Coaching. Sounds fancy. It is super fancy. <laughs> so important. Um, and um, kind of to back up... Um, my credentials, I guess, are um, I have a personal trainer certification with ACSM, and I'm certified as a health and wellness coach with Well Coaches. I have my um, bachelor's in, of science in health and wellness management, and I'm working on my master's in um, positive coaching from University of Missouri. Basically, so- <laughs> you are a score yeah. for us. <laughs> So if you aren't sure what all that means, it's that she's awesome. (laughs) Yes. Very smart. Very, we are very lucky to have her as um, sort of the head of everything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But honestly, if you, um, our community has the opportunity to have one-on-one coaching calls with you and, and our other coaches, but most, I mean, you've really led the way and the feedback that we get from the women that have participated in those one-on-one coaching calls has been like, it's been mind blowing. It was was life changing. Um, and that's partly, I mean, we have many reasons that we want to bring you on our show and hopefully make this more regular thing, but. Um, one of the reasons we wanted to bring you on is because inside of our Balance 365 Life 
program, uh, you did a coaching video. So we're going to give you a little inside scoop. You did a, a coach. You've done many coaching videos, but one of the coaching videos you did was on the stages of change, of behavior change. And I think it is really insightful to be aware of those because before I learned any of this, I was, I was just like, you just do the thing. Like... <laughs> And that's all that's all there is to it, right? Just do it. Yeah, you just Which do a it. lot of people uh say that and think that, right? They they're frustrated with themselves going, "Why can't I just do the thing?" And they don't understand that change is actually a process, process with a few steps in it. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and and what I mean, we could be talking about trying to eat more vegetables, increase exercise, or even things like quitting smoking. Regardless of what you're trying to change, there are stages. And understanding what we're going to talk about, what these look like, what they sound like, what they feel like. Um, and there's even something that we call change talk that we listen for as coaches to kind of evaluate where you're at in the process of change. Uh, I think is really really exciting. Like it's kind it kind of sounds like like uh kind of academic i guess but but it, when you hear <laughs> Jen's laughing at me <laughs> um when you hear like oh yeah i've said those words before that's where i'm at um processing that change or um i, I felt like that before these are the actions that i'm taking so that must be where i'm at uh can help you either A, move through to the next stage faster, or B, just own where you're at, which we'll talk about is um, really awesome. So what we're talking about today is the trans-theoretical model. And I'm just going to – I cut and pasted this off of Wikipedia. I'm not even lying about that. <laughs> no no shame. Um, it, I feel like there was a better place than Wikipedia. To it might it. not have been Wikipedia. It was, some, it was probably like – I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I will post it in the show notes. But I, these are clearly not going to be my words because this is not how I talk. But it is the biopsychosocial model to conceptualize the process of intentional behavior change. So just to give it like actual, like this is like legit. This has been around since the 70s. Um, and regardless of what we're talking, we're going to walk you through the stages of change. It's important to note that someone, correct me if I'm wrong, Melissa, someone can sit in these stages for a few moments to a matter of years. Sure, absolutely. And I think that's um, one of the things that makes it a little bit tricky because we can't just um, assume that we're going to move to the next stage because we've been in it for X amount of time. It's not an automatic process. So there are things that, um, that can help us move to the next stage if that's really where we want to go. Yeah. I have been thinking about working out for two years now. <laughs> I, just, I do I do work out, but there's a specific program called Arms Like Annie that Annie created that's so awesome. And I've been thinking about starting it for about two years, but I just keep, I just keep doing my kind of same old quote unquote workouts when I go to work out. Um, but anyways, just want to relate with our audience here that I get it. <laughs> so, uh, Melissa, why don't you want to just jump right into it? Like, what's the first stage of behavior change? What What is that? What is it called? What does it look like? What does it sound like? Sure. Okay. So the first stage is called pre-contemplation. And this is essentially when this thing is not even on your radar. So let's just... Um, 
for the sake of understanding what we're talking about, let's just talk about Jane. Okay. So Jane, um, if we're going to talk about just again, for the sake of an example, um, Jane and an exercise habit. So pre-contemplation is where there's not even a thought about starting an exercise habit. It's not on her radar as something that would be beneficial or that she would ever even have considered doing. Um, and often the phrase or the kind of the thought behind pre-contemplation is either um, I can't or I won't. So this is before it's even an option for Jane. Um, in her life at this point. Yeah. Or people might not, they just don't have awareness that maybe what they're doing is harmful or um, that they have control over it. They might just have accepted where they're at and like, kind of just like, okay, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think it's a good point to note there that, um, you know, there is, there is a, hmm it's not always a negative thing. It's not always a, um, I am resistant to this thing. It's potentially just a lack of awareness that this would be a beneficial thing. So Absolutely. that could, an example of that could be somebody who has high cholesterol needs to make lifestyle changes to change that where their cholesterol is at. However, they have not yet learned that they have high cholesterol. Right, exactly. Like they're just unaware. Mm -hmm. right. Or somebody who grew up in a culture where smoking was a normal thing and was never, the health risks were never discussed. Um, and the doctor, you know, brings to them all of the potential risks of, of being a smoker. That would be new information that they wouldn't have had to make a decision yet about making change. And I think this stage can be really tricky when you're trying to push change on someone else. I, I feel like we see this a lot. This conversation comes up, you know, I want to make change, but my husband doesn't want to make change. Or I saw that a lot in my parents. Like I wanted my parents to be more active for like selfishly for me so they could be, you know, live long, healthy lives and play with my grandkids. They weren't even aware. Like they, that was not on their radar. Like this, they weren't even aware or worried or concerned about, about or even interested about how exercise could positively affect their life. And that can get a little dicey because it's like I was not meeting them where they were at. <laughs> just like, just do this thing. Yeah. yeah. I think it's also um, a place where empathy really needs to take the, you know, the front, front stage, I guess, if you will. Um, because even if we're making changes, if those that are around us aren't ready to make change or haven't yet thought about making the change, we can tell them about what we're doing, but trying to convince them that it's something that they should do is almost an impossible thing. That happens constantly. It even We see it all the time. In Balance 365, we see women asking us how they can get their family members to stop dieting or even their partners. And the truth is your family member or your partner, they are on their own journey of their own relationship with food. You cannot force the balanced life on them. You cannot force somebody to stop dieting who doesn't want to not stop. Right. Or hasn't yet even contemplated, right? Pre-contemplation. Hasn't, hasn't even yet thought about what that would look like or why it would be important to them. Totally. And actually, Annie was just 
I'm going to just blow out Annie's life here. Annie was just talking about this with her therapist this morning. <laughs> that just part, like, that part of her role, like, our company's role is education. So, yeah, because no, people aren't aware of an alternative to dieting. Right. And, and, and so that's, we, mm-hmm. yeah, we sometimes forget in our little balance 365 bubble that most of the world, they still don't know that not dieting is an option for them. And so it can be really hard to be in our position because educating can feel exhausting sometimes. Um, or you feel like a broken yeah. record or you feel yeah, like... Yeah, like we're constantly saying the same things and we've been saying it for three and a half, almost four years now, which is how long our company's been running. And But you just forget, you know, it's a big old world out there and how long dieting has been, you know, decades and decades and decades. It's been what people turn to, so... But we will press on. We shall. <laughs> we will persevere. <sighs> Uh, okay. Anything more you want to add about pre-contemplation? Lauren, you're kind of quiet over there. Anything you have to add about pre-contemplation? I'm just here for the party. (laughs) (laughs) Just showing up. Um, no, but one thing I would add is just that if you're in that space of trying to get your partner or family member or whoever to make a certain change, the only thing that... I have really found helpful, and Melissa might have something to add, but is just to model that for them, just to model the way you're doing it, how it's affecting you, creating happiness for you or whatever that is, instead of um, constantly picking at them or telling them to change. Absolutely. I totally agree. We just had – we just interviewed Danica – on our podcast and she has lost 50 pounds in the last 18 months and she said the most uncomfortable part of that is people who grill her in public wanting to know what diet she's doing and she's not she's just she's just doing balance 365 and which is small sustainable changes so her and her and her husband is doing it as well and has also lost weight so they're trying to tell people no it's just small sustainable changes and people are like sure yeah but okay. but what is it really? Like, what are you really yeah. doing? But you're not eating carbs anymore, are you? And they're like, yeah, we are. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's uh, move on to the second stage. Melissa, what do you got? So the second stage is contemplation. And this is where um, kind of in the, converse, the examples that we said before, um, it's where you start thinking about the thing. So whether you have gotten new information or you've had some event happen in your life, um, you've had some experience that causes you to start to think about this particular change as an option. So a lot of the talk around that might be um, like, I may or I might, Um, But I think this is also where we often hear the I shoulds. So we hear all the time women say like, oh, I really should do that. Or, oh, you know, I really should start running or, you know, I, I really should cut this out of my diet or whatever. And I think that, um, that really comes down to, um, understanding that there might be benefit to making change, but not necessarily, Um, owning it for yourself or having personal reasons um, to actually start doing that thing. Yeah, I think um, 
we see this in Balance 365 a lot where someone will mention something and I always go back to, well, awareness is the first step. And this is kind of where I'm getting that, that this is the contemplation stage is when you start to become aware. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And people sit here, can sit here forever and ever. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to like uh, discourage anyone. I'm saying that because as you said, we do should, quote unquote, on ourself a lot. <laughs> and just like Jen said, you know, she's been trying to exercise for two years. Okay, I have been and- exercising. <laughs> <laughs> Those were your words, not it's mine. It's like Annie. <laughs> she's like, I would like to retract that I have that not statement. been exercising as much as I should have been the last two years. And I really want to start Arms Like Annie I don't know if you guys have noticed, but a lot of people have been buying Arms Like Annie lately, and there's, like, this whole growing community of people doing Arms Like Annie, and it's a super empowering strength program for women that has bench pressing and deadlifting and squatting, and I really want to be part of that club. She has FOMO. But (laughs) I have FOMO. But... I just can't seem to commit because like others, I am a creature of habit and I have my workouts that I don't have to think about. I go into my gym. I just go through the motions. I'm done in 20 minutes, whereas Arms Like Annie is going to take me a little more time. Um, and so I'm just, con- I'm still contemplating it she, two years later. <laughs> the second sentence of my podcast outline says, aware of making a change, but also likely aware of what it will cost you. And exactly. That, that's exactly what I know what it'll said. cost me, so I'm still thinking on it. Yeah, so you so you feel conflicted, which is common to feel at this stage. Like, I want to do this, but I don't really – do I want to? Am I in or out? Like, I know it's going to require some effort or some change or some time or money or energy. Like, it's gonna, you're going to have to pay, quote, unquote, somehow. And you're just kind of like – I think of it as like you're just playing with that idea in your head. Like, that's what this stage looks like to me. Absolutely. Last week, I pinned up the program on the wall in my garage. Well, that, <laughs> like, that's steps. actually a different stage. That's a different stage. That's a we'll different stage, Jen. Goodness. So, yeah, I was going to say, though, um, contemplation is really where, like, we do see a lot of what's called ambivalence in psychology. And before I really knew what that was, um, I kind of thought from context that it meant, like, just being kind of meh about like something. Yeah, Yeah. but it's not at all. It's actually wanting two conflicting things. And one of the best examples I have of this is from a while back in Balance 365, where one of our, um, one of our ladies, like actually wrote out in her post, she wanted to um, see fat loss, but she wanted to change nothing about what she was eating. (laughs) I was like, okay, so there's some influence there. (laughs) I think a lot of listeners might be able to identify with that. Like, yeah, I, totally. I want this, but I don't want to do anything different. <laughs> and the beautiful thing, I love how you talk people through that stuff, Melissa, but just so everyone listening understands, the beautiful thing about Balance 365 and our private community is you can say those things with no judgment. We totally get it, and we will help you either, one, take small steps towards action, or two, own where you're at of not taking any action at all and just owning the outcomes of that. I mean, that really is what it comes down to, is owning your life, right? Yeah, and I think one of the major, um, I guess, processes here that you can work through to kind of overcome 
um, that ambivalence is go through what's, um, it's called decisional balance, but it's basically like pros and cons, right? So working through um, what is, um, what are the pros and cons about potentially making change and what are the pros and cons about not making change and then start to work through um, what really is the most important to you. And I'll say too, this is one of the huge reasons why um, I always recommend um, our, our ladies go through the story of you and work through their core values and work through their um, wellness vision. Because when you can start to tie into, you know, I want to make these changes because I want to age well and I want to, you know, be strong when my kids are older. And, you know, you can start to tie into certain things like that. You have you have far more likelihood of not only making change if that's what you want to do, but feeling content with the decision that you've made. Absolutely. I've shared this on the podcast before, but um, I've always struggled with a workout habit. Um, as Lauren and I share, we have a natural tendency towards being sloth-like. And so... She's just throwing both of us under the bus <laughs> <Yeah>. today. <laughs> and at Lauren's therapy appointment, this is what they talk about. I'm just here my own business. <laughs> So, um, I, I really struggled with it, um, until I dug into my core values. The only time in the past, the only time I ever, ever worked out or went to the gym was to change what my body looked like. And I found that that actually isn't one of my core values. Um, it, and that's fine if it is other people's, I'm not throwing judgments around. It just wasn't enough to keep me going. But as soon as I identified that my, one of my core values, I guess you would call it longevity, but growing old with strength and being able to run around and lift my grandkids above my head, that, that is what has been able to keep me. Now I, you know, to, for me to be consistently have been working out for the last couple of years, even though it wasn't arms like Annie, but that's, that's amazing. That's just something that used to come in spurts for me and then quitting for a very long time. So. Yeah, these are all great points. I think I think a lot of people are going to see themselves in this at least at a season or a point in their life they can look back at that and be like, "Oh, I, that I was in contemplation." Or or maybe you're there now. Which yeah, is- or I was struggling with ambivalence or um and the other thing though too is as we talk about these things, research shows that people are more likely to stick with change that aligns with their, their core values. So it's not just this wooey thing that we're throwing out there. It's it's studied. Um I also want to note here too that um this is not like an overall state of your life. This is in regards to specific behaviors or changes that you're talking about. So you're not like sitting in contemplation in all of your life. Um, it's just these, and these are the stages around any particular change that you might want to make. Yeah. And I think I want to circle back to the ambivalence because I think that's really, um, t- to me, to hear that that is a common feeling or emotion or experience to feel conflicted over two choices when you're in contemplation stage, that that's normal and it's expected. It feels like, okay, it's not me. It's not because I'm pathetic or I'm weak or I'm not motivated or I'm not dedicated or I'm not sure of myself. It's like, this is just a process of change that everyone experiences. And maybe some people talk about it more than others, but like, it's okay if you're experiencing like, I want to do this thing, but I don't want to do this thing 
to get me there. Like, that's okay. Um, what are there questions? I have a couple questions that people might be able to ask themselves. I know you said the uh, decisional balance. Are there any other questions that you think people could ask or pose to themselves that they could explore if they're in contemplation and they want to move to the next step? Um, yeah, I think again, going back to that, um, like why, you know, why is always a huge question. What's my motivation? What's the thing that I'm looking for? What's the thing that, um, you know, what would my life look like if I were to make some of those changes? Um, what would the benefits be of making those changes? What would my life um, feel like? Or what would I feel like at the end of the day if I were able to do those things? Yeah, uh, that was one of, I, I was first exposed to this uh, model and um, kind of what we're talking is, is motivational interviewing, which is a practice that we use with our uh, members in Balance 365. But one of the questions I really liked that I was I was first taught at the YMCA was, what does my life look like 10 years from now if I make this change consistently? And and what does it look like 10 years from now if I don't? And that's not like with judgment or shame or um, it's just kind of like, let's let's look at this down the road, big picture. And, and you can do the same thing, like you said, at the end of the day, what does it look like immediately after? What do I feel like? Uh, at the end of the week, at the end of the month, if I stick with this and what happens if I don't, you know, and then, and then you get to do with that information as you wish. You can make choices as you see fit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's one of the things that um, can empower us too, to, to realize we have this option to really dig deep and see, you know, what we want and why we want it. And then when we kind of do that, um, like introspective thinking or, you know, future thinking, and we think about, okay, future self would be like this if I were to do this um, or not do this, then we can decide, okay, so that is something that I'm really interested in pursuing or no, you know, that actually doesn't, it wouldn't be as fulfilling to me as, you know, as maybe some, it would be for some other people. And so that's okay. Mm-hmm. Can I, I just want to bring something into this conversation because I know if you sort of have lived in a diet background or extreme background or all or nothing thinking background, hearing a conversation like this makes you feel like urgency. Like I have to be all in, like my 10 year old, my my future self does not want me to be sedentary and weak and unfit. But one thing I have learned through my own life of different having children, doing different moves, um, just the different life stuff that you, that pop up, right? That even when you envision yourself in 10 years, um, and as far as doing things consistently, I hope you know, whether you're new to our podcast or an old listener, just a reminder that we are about balance. So if, for example, me today saying, look, in 10 years, I I don't want to be sedentary in 10 years because for the next 10 years, my risks of, you know, disease, osteoporosis, all of that is going to go up. But that doesn't mean I need to be jumping on, you know, urgently jumping onto a workout program that's five days a week in the gym for the next 10 years, or that's where I'm going to end up. It's, for me, it's been, a you know, the most saving grace in my life has been our all or something motto of like, look, there's going to be periods in my life where I'm, I'm just, we're not always on an upward trend, right? 
And Danica put it really well in the podcast that we recorded her in. Um, she was saying, sometimes you're just holding the line. And sometimes that's the best you can do. And another, like I was on a different, um, it was a fitness professional. I was on her page the other day and she was writing about, you know, here's the building blocks of things everybody must be doing kind of thing. And I just popped in there to remind everyone that sometimes you go through seasons of life where um, your best option is just to try and stay in the habit of doing like the baseline. So for example, we could bring it back to my workouts, which I keep doing, but you know, um, what was it? It was three years ago. I was in the best shape of my life. I was, you know, had been lifting heavy regularly for two years, great cardiovascular fitness. And I am not, I'm not there anymore, but the best that I could do the last couple of years is just keep up the minimum of moving, right? Rather than, so I just wanted to pop in and remind everyone that all is not lost if you can't keep up what your ideal is, right? Right. And I don't think it's, it's reasonable even to expect that once we identify our ideal, that we will immediately be able to achieve it. And I think that's what Balance 365 is all about. It's about um, kind of that, that process or that pursuit of like ever increased well-being um, that like each day I have the chance to make a set of choices and um, each day, the more of those choices I make that benefit my well-being, the, the better my overall wellness is. But I'm not, you know, I'm not automatically going to be um, able to decide like this is my ideal. You know, I, I, I set my wellness vision and then tomorrow that's everything I'm going to be and every, every, um, every element of that is going to be at its best. No, that's the picture that we're going to work towards. And each day we have a chance to kind of um, make another decision that moves us in that direction. Right. Good point. Okay. Stage three or yeah, stage three, right? (laughs) We got pre-contemplation, contemplation. What comes after contemplation, Melissa? contemplation, um, and then comes preparation. And so this is maybe where Jen is now with her arms like Annie. (laughs) She's so proud of herself. (laughs) I moved on. Yeah, you moved on. Um, (laughs) Preparation is when you are um, starting to take action or you are doing some experimenting or you are, you know, collecting the, um, environmental things you need, like the program or the new sneakers, or um, maybe you are kind of doing that like dabbling thing where you're like, yeah, I think arms like anything is what I want to do. And then you do it once and then you don't do it for the rest of the week or even two or three weeks. And then you do it another time. I do a lot of preparation. (laughs) (laughs) I buy all the things that I need to do the thing. I am, I'm thinking, listening to this, this is where most people get stuck like they buy yeah. the treadmill and then they use it to dry clothes on my yeah. um my client my one of my 
my small group uh, training client, she has this hilarious saying. She says, I either, um, I, I, she's, she's talking about herself here. She says, I often feel like I have two choices. I can either work hard or I can throw money at a problem. And hands down, I always rather throw money at a problem. She's like, I'll buy the new, I'll buy the new squat shoes and then I won't squat or I won't use them or I'll buy the program and then I won't do the actual program. (laughs) Like, but she is willing to like spend money on it. She's in that preparation stage. It's, that's where she gets stuck though. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is where Jen's at. You're hanging, you're hanging yeah, the posters. Yeah, that's so cool. I set up my garage gym. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, you would have seen I was Insta-storying it all weekend as we set up the garage gym. Got this, this my squat rack has been in storage for a year um, in my house because we moved, we moved last year and I just never got it out of storage. So we got the gym mat set up and the squat rack, barbell out, all the plates. Um, so yeah, definitely that was part of my preparation and... Um, yeah, putting arms like Annie up on the wall, and but I just keep going out there and I just keep doing my same old stuff. But I am preparing for it. So what is what else uh, does this stage look like? What does it feel like, Melissa? Is there anything that people that are in the preparation stage can do to move them towards the next stage? Uh, what What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think this is another. Um, time when kind of that decisional balance is is really key um but also this is where um making a plan can be really helpful and so instead of saying um like arms like annie is something that i will do period we might say um day one of arms like annie is what i will do on saturday morning while my kids are watching cartoons um so giving yourself kind of um and i'm sure you know this is not a new concept but kind of that idea of smart goals where like we're talking specific measurable attainable realistic time bound like you're giving yourself a timeline to do this thing um that is one of the the ways that you can start moving out of preparation and into action. Um, And that's one of the things I really love doing in our coaching sessions because um, it's really that um, those attainable goals, those baby steps, when you plan those out and they actually seem like they're not like super intimidating, you're like, oh yeah, I could do, I could do that at least. And then, um, and then that can lead to, to further action. Well, and in our experience, we've talked about this in our private Facebook group, which if you're not a member of Healthy Habits, Happy Moms on Facebook, uh, it's a great place to continue the podcast discussion. But one of the things we talk about is how people often wait to feel motivated and they wait till they feel a certain way to like do these things. But, and that works sometimes, but the flip side is also true that actually taking action can lead to additional feelings of feeling motivated or compelled to take even more action. And that's what I hear you saying, Melissa, is that actually taking a step, even if it's a small step, putting your stuff up on the board is setting a plan for a time of workout on the day. And this is the equipment I need and, and getting all those details can actually help you to do the workout. And then doing the workout helps you to lead to more workouts. And then it just snowballs. And then it's like, yeah. yeah. And that's a um, another kind of psychology term is self-efficacy. And that's the belief that you have the ability to do a particular task in a particular circumstance. And so um, 
taking action can actually, um, doing the first step, taking a step can help increase your self-efficacy because you see yourself doing a thing and then you're like, oh dang, I'm doing a thing. I'm going to do another thing. Okay. Now I'm going to do another thing. And then again, that does like, we talk about the wellness snowball sometimes it just, um, action begets action. And, and it's actually like in physics, right? It's an actual, um, theory or whatever that an object in motion stays in motion. That's one of the the laws of physics. There it is. Um, so when you start to move, you can, um, help yourself keep moving that way too. And in non-psychology terms, we say the first step is the hardest. Yes. (laughs) All, all of these like relatable for me, Lauren, it's like when you, you know, you're busy mom, you have kids, everybody knows the hardest part of getting out of the house is getting out of the house, right? Yeah. It's always that, that first little bit. Yeah. But then I, what you said, Melissa, about self-efficacy, it, I, I know I personally respond really well to that. Like people are like, no, you can't do that. And I kind of shut down, um, versus like me being like, I just did that. I, I did that. Like, mm-hmm. whoa. Like, I surprised myself that I feel so proud of myself. And then I'm like, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. And then, and then maybe a little bit more. And that just, that's like, that to me feels like such positive reinforcement um, that I'm capable of doing what I want to do. That, that that feels so good to me. It's, it's, well, it's like, it's why these SMART goals are so important. And to put into context of your children, if you're struggling to understand it for yourself, um, my son started getting math homework this year, and he is supposed to do one question a night, which is fine, right? It's it's Homework is pretty new to him. Um, he didn't really have much last year. And he sits down, but you know what? It's still hard for us getting that one question done. But can you imagine if she had tried to send, you know, 10 questions home a night right off the bat? He would feel so defeated by now. But we're getting it. Every night we do one question and, you know, I can see his confidence is building. He's getting through it faster each time. And that's just sort of what we need to start applying to ourselves, right? So, and we talked about this in one of our previous podcasts, but like, for example, with exercise habits, if 10 squats after you brush your teeth every night is all you can manage right now for exercise, that is totally fine. Pat yourself on the back. It's about building your confidence as much as it is about um, strengthening your body, right? Yeah. And again, that is exactly why, you know, we talk about baby steps all the time. We talk about attainable goals. We talk about realistic goals um, because you want to see yourself succeed. That is a huge factor in um, long-term change. And so the more you can see yourself succeed, um, again, the more success you'll have long-term. And that's not, sorry, go ahead, Jen. I was going to say change starts from belief, like period right? So if you cannot believe, you cannot achieve. And so you you have to believe that you can do something. I do not yet believe that I could stick to arms like Annie. <laughs> I am not there yet. <laughs> I feel like this is this is turning into like Jen's counseling session. It's a coaching call. Like, I was just thinking, I'm just getting a free coaching call here. <laughs> Jen's just, just freeloading on our business podcast here. <laughs> um, I get, yeah, I really think all that's good. And that's not to say that you can't have big lofty goals. It's just a vote for the importance of breaking down the big lofty goals into smart goals that you can take actionable steps towards, which is a great segue into stage four. 
So action is when you're actually doing the behavior. This is the I am section of, um, of the stages of change. And um, one thing that I want to note here is that um, the action stage actually goes for um, the first six months of doing the behavior. So we like to think that like, as soon as we start doing the thing, then like, oh, that's my habit and I'm gonna be doing that forever. But um, you know, obviously we know it takes a significant amount of time to build a habit, but even beyond that, um, it, it takes time for that to be um, your, your normal routine or the rhythm or just the way the, you live The physics, life. the rolling yes. of the ball. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's the stage that everybody struggles with, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think um, this is where um, you want to be gracious with yourself and you want to be um, just open and creative. Like as you hit barriers or you see ways that would make it difficult to keep on doing the thing, um, that you are flexible with yourself and realistic and say like, okay, so I've come up against this and this is making it tricky. So how can I work around it? Or how can I shift what I'm doing in, you know, in some small way or what about my habit needs to change to make this make it sustainable for me. What I hear you talking about, Melissa, reminds me of a uh, woman we had in our community. And she was talking about all the things that she was doing. And she was she was nailing everything, uh, protein, exercise. And she's like, but why am I not seeing any changes? And we were kind of trying to troubleshoot. Like, well, you know, have you done this? Have you done And, and then finally I said, how long have you been doing this? And she was like, two weeks. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you just need to keep going like and yeah. I and I see this often too that that women are on the right track they're making changes either small or big whatever they feel compelled to make and they just uh don't give it enough time and this is really like this should be a long a long game you got to be able to see the big picture play the long game and like you said like six months in this stage is what constitutes taking action it's not just a few weeks it's not just once that's more preparation um but to get to action stage Age, it's six months of consistent behavior. Yeah. Awesome. Anything else to add uh, on the on action stage? I don't think so. Okay, it's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> you're you're doing the thing. Yeah. I I think probably um, it's moving from step three to step four, and then doing step four consistently. I think is where most people probably struggle. So they buy the treadmill, they run on the treadmill for two weeks, and then four months later, they look at it and go, oh my goodness, why did I buy that? Now I just dry my laundry on it. So do you have any tips or advice around um, either getting from the planning stage into the action stage or staying in the action stage? And also, I think noted that sometimes we move around, right? in different stages of change. So, yeah. And I've talked about this before in um, Balance 365 in the community where, you know, if you think about um, like a spiral staircase, um, this is kind of the model of the trans theoretical model that it's kind of um, like rotating and moving upward. But I also like to think of it um, then like inverted. So like a tilted spiral staircase. So as you're going on this path, you know, you're always going to have different um, 
stages where maybe you're on the quote unquote high and things are moving along easily and you're motivated and you're excited and you know, that wellness snowballs moving. Um, but you're also going to, um, come against some difficulties. There's going to be, you know, some stage in your family's life or some tragic event or, you know, something's going to happen that's going to make, you're going to get bored maybe, that's going to make this feel difficult. And, um, and, and that's normal and part of the process. Um, and so those are maybe on the quote unquote lower sides of things. But if you, if you kind of visualize what happens in a spiral staircase, even on a tilt, um, the lows eventually get higher than the first highs were. Right. right? And so right. that's this oh, whole process yeah. of like, it's just this constant um, growth that even when we're um, maybe not as, I don't know, motivated or, or feeling as good about the changes we're making, that doesn't mean that pro progress still isn't happening. Right. Mm -hmm. We've got this section in Balance 365 um, where we just show a graph of Really, if somebody is on a fat loss journey, what they can realistically expect, because I don't know where we get this idea that everything should be linear, everything, right? It's, um, but realistically with fat loss, Annie can probably speak to this better than me because she's lost 40 pounds this last couple of years. I, it's, you are not every day you wake up, you don't weigh less and less and less and less, like sometimes you're going to be up five pounds. It's more about looking at trending, right? The trend. And, and as long as you've got a goal and you can zoom out and keep looking at your journey rather than every step you take um, and see yourself moving at least towards that goal. Right? And I would say that's true for anything in life. Like I can't think of any successful person Successful meaning that they've reached their goals or they've won an award or they've, they're an Olympian. I mean, whatever level we're talking about, they most likely didn't get there because they were perfect. And, and we say that all the time that perfection is not required for progress. It's like, it's not. Uh, so yeah, it's more about consistency and what you can do consistently that matters the most. Yeah. And I think, again, practical application of that, I've, I've said already, but is tying into your values, tying into your motivations and your desires and, you know, that vision of, okay, this is what I'm ultimately going for. So on the days that it's not feeling super fun or whatever it might be, um, I still have, I still have reason to keep on, you know, moving in the direction that I want to go. Yep. Well said. Okay, the next stage after action, believe it or not, there is a stage. What? <laughs> yeah. There's two more. There's two more. We're not done yet. Um, the next stage is called maintenance, and that is um, where action is I am, maintenance is I still am. And this is, um, this is where um, you are living your life doing the thing. This is how you live your life, how you do, um, how you do what you do, um, whether that's um, exercising to the level that you, you know, were reaching for, or you've made the um, nutritional changes, or you've, you know, quit smoking, and it's been more than six months, and you're still quit, and you're committed to it. Um, maintenance is, um, this is who I am. Awesome. It's very empowering that stage. Yeah. I yeah. still 
am. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I like that. I mean, there, and, and this stage is hard too, uh, for, because we'll talk about it in the next stage. I don't want to spoiler alert, but, um, maintenance for anything in the long term can be difficult. And so it's not like, oh, I, I've arrived and it requires effort or zero effort. Like, that's not what we're saying here. It just means that, like, this is your new way of life. And that doesn't mean that you won't have a missed workout or you won't overeat or you won't, I don't know, do X, Y, Z that you weren't wanting to do. But uh, it just means that it's your new way of life. And I also want to add that your um, actively avoiding temptation was another kind of element of this stage or that you're aware of temptations and that you're um, avoiding them. That if if you're uh, trying to, you know, in, maintain your exercise habit, that you are knowing to knowing that if you go sit on the couch before you go to the gym, you're not going to go to the gym. That's me. This is we're not this, we're talking about me. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, my I avoid sitting on the couch before I hit up the gym because I know once my butt hits the couch. I'm tired. And I think I'm done for yeah, and I think a lot of those lessons that you that you um, kind of utilize during maintenance are what you learn during preparation and action. The things yeah. that stopped you in the past from being consistent with your exercise routine, or the the barriers that you encountered. Um, learning what those are is part of the process, and learning how to avoid them or overcome them um, is is um, then like just how you live kind of during maintenance. Yeah, it's, imp- it's useful information. Yeah, trial and data. Yeah. I think um, this ties really well back to dieting too because that statement of you're never done, right? Like I feel like so many people go on these short-term diets and it's like, okay, I'm done. But yeah, like and they're very you're, popular. 30 you're day not this, done. 21, yeah, 30 day this, 21 day this. Like that's why like, they're so attractive. Because yeah, and there's, like, the, but there's no maintenance there. Like you yeah. can't keep that up. And if you can't keep that up, you're going to revert back, which kind of segues also into the next stage. Well, and no one's, and, and not many programs, <clears throat> cough, cough, ours, are addressing <laughs> Maintenance, and which is which is we've dedicated a whole portion of that into our small group no fuss fat loss coaching group. Like, okay, you reach your goal. Here's how to maintain it. Like, th- like we don't just get you there and then it's like, see ya. Have have a nice fun on see, it. Like, see, see you next time when you meet us again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, no, that's not that's not how that's not what we want for our our clients or for our community members. At least we want to show you how to maintain the behaviors that you have learned or changed throughout our program. Yeah. Just another vote for us (laughs) in case that wasn't clear. (laughs) Okay. Last stage. Um, So there's another stage um, or at least a section that we want to mention, which is called relapse. Um, And that is, you know, when something happens. Um, And I, I don't, I don't necessarily think this is, um, like the day in and day out, like, you know, I got called to pick up my kid sick from school, so I didn't go to the gym and I'm going to, you know, pick it right back up tomorrow. That's not what we're talking about, but something significant happens and um, it kind of upends your life and then you're 
not doing what you wanted to be doing in the first place. Um, so this is where, um, you know, there's feelings of disappointment and frustration and um, you're experiencing some sort of setback. Um, or you're feeling like a failure, like, oh, I was doing so well and then I didn't, I'm not doing this anymore. And you feel like you maybe let yourself down or like you said, disappointment, failure. Yeah. Yeah. It can be helpful though to examine like why it happened. Um, can you do anything to avoid this in the future? That doesn't mean you can't move through those stages that we just mentioned again. Um, and you might even be able to do it faster. You know, like the, the good news is you did it once, right? Like you can do it again. <laughs> um, but looking at, okay, what happened here? Like what, you know, was it a, an event? Was it, I got, you know, too comfortable and didn't give it the effort that it deserved or the attention it deserved was, you know, and just examining like, how can I use that information to help get me back to where I want to be? Yeah. And I think it's important to note too, that, um, there, are, there are things that we can do potentially to kind of safeguard against relapse where, um, you know, if we're starting to feel, let's just using exercise again, as an example, you're starting to feel bored with your exercise routine. Um, there's more likelihood that you don't feel motivated to do it, that you want to skip it or something. So um, changing things up, allowing yourself, again, that flexibility, the, that creativity, you know, um, you've been training for a marathon and you did the marathon and now you're just like not really feeling running. So, okay, so don't run, go do yoga or go right. paddleboarding or, you know, whatever it is. Um, like if the movement is the thing that you're really focused on, you can be flexible with yourself about um, how you achieve that. So, you know, another situation when it comes to change, I'm going to kind of shift gears here is I was thinking about, you know, like New Year's Eve resolutions, which I know we're a couple months out from, but, um, you know, why those don't stick. And I was just thinking about how when you seem to decide things on a whim or you decide things because a girlfriend's doing it and it's like, um, it seems like a good idea all of a sudden and you kind of make these like snap decisions or you're feel maybe you're feeling a sort of way and you're like, I'm just doing this right now, like right now, that sometimes change doesn't stick because we don't, for lack of a better word, honor all of these stages and we kind of just skip that pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, and we jump right to action and we haven't examined why is this important to me? Do I really want to do the things that it will take for me to maintain this new behavior? Um, what does that look like? What does that mean? You know, like we we just kind you of haven't skip set those. your smart goals, so your you, goal, you, the action you took wasn't even realistic or sustainable for you to reach that maintenance stage, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, or potentially it doesn't actually align with your values. Um, I think a lot of times we see somebody else doing something. I mean, we see this in Balance Three Sixty Five sometimes, where somebody in the community says like. I'm doing this and it's helping me. And then everybody else is like, oh my gosh, I should do that too. And then mm. like, you know, whether it's bullet journaling or, you know, it could be a hundred thousand. Yeah. And you're kind of like, <laughs> none of which are bad in and of themselves, but you jump on board because somebody else is doing it and it's not tied to you or your values at all. Or which is why like me, somebody you buy the bullet journal and let it sit on your bedside table for the next year. 
This is also why, like, weight loss challenges or some of the big diet companies that run 30-day, you know, diets for, you know, every X date, you know, and you see your friends jumping on board and you, you just get so excited about it and you jump on board or you join your weight loss challenge or you, you know, you're cutting this out of your diet for 30 days. You just jump on board without thinking if that actually aligns with your values. Is that something you actually need or want, um, et cetera? And then it's just not sustainable for you. And and that's the thing with health challenges, right? I had just said in Balance 365 the other day, a woman shared that she had joined. It was it was like a fair, looked like a fairly innocent challenge. I can't remember what it was called. I probably wouldn't say it on air anyways, but it was more about... Um, habits and gratitude and just having a life that feels more zen and it was five things to do all at once and one of those things was to get up an hour earlier and like just have some me time and what we discussed in Balance 365 is like you know that doesn't work for a lot of women because they're already getting you know six hours of sleep a night so then what are they going to do go down to five and I had just said this is why health and wellness can't be prescriptive um, it needs to be looked more like a toolbox and every, and that's what we encourage people to do in Balance 365 is to look at your habits like tools in a toolbox. So if you get to that chapter and that's just not a tool that you can use or need or want in your life, then don't use it. Skip it. There is no hard and fast rules in Balance 365. So for example, our emotional eating section, if you don't struggle with emotional eating or you don't care and don't want to address the emotional eating that you do, then just bypass that chapter. There's no obligation to have to change that, right? I do that with eating out treats and alcohol. <laughs> Skip that section. <laughs> I'm skipping that section. I like all three of those in moderation. In moderation. I think, though, Jen, that goes along, too, with what we say often in Balance 365, which is that we don't have goals for you. We don't have goals for your body. We don't have goals for your plate. We don't have goals for our clients. We're, um, what they say about coaching is that it's a collaborative um, relationship. And I tell people when I start to do a one-on-one, we're both experts here. You're the expert on you and I'm the expert on the change process. And when we put those things together, we're going to come up with the very best plan for you to create change. Um, and that's really what we're all about. Well, that's, that's good. That's why we hired her. Can you hear that? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Slow clap for Melissa. Yes. <laughs> Um, okay. I think we need to wrap it up here. We're approaching an hour and, uh, we, I think this is a lot of good juicy information, but just to recap real quick, the stages of change are pre-contemplation where you're like not even on the radar considering anything yet. Contemplation, which is where you're aware of making a change, but also aware of what it's going to cost you. You might feel a little conflicted or ambivalent. Preparation, which is where Jen's at. You are experimenting with small changes. So she is hanging arms like Annie up in her gym. Mm-hmm. Um, you're collecting information about the change you want to make. You might have bought the running shoes if you're going to go for a run or if that's what you're thinking about doing. 
Then comes action, which is where you're taking direct action towards your goal. And then after six months of action, you go into maintenance, where you are maintaining your new behavior. And then every once in a while, um, you can have relapse, which or a relapse, which is um, where you might experience feelings of frustration or disappointment um, or feeling like you had a little setback. And uh, I think, again, the point of sharing all these stages of change is just so you have awareness. And as we said, you can either hopefully a help you move from one stage to the next. I mean, I think ideally people are trying to get to that action maintenance stage as quick as possible. Um, so hopefully we gave you some suggestions on how to do that if that's a goal or on the flip side, just own where you're at. Like, uh, I'm thinking about doing this thing. I'm not ready to take action on it yet. And like, that's totally cool too. Yeah, release the release that expectation and the guilt around it because that can just be such a burden on your life that you don't need. Yeah, and knowing that these are all stages that everyone experiences, just again, it feels like okay, like I'm not alone. I'm not I'm not lacking motivation or willpower or discipline. Like this is a a common experience when you're changing behaviors. Well, I think not just a common, it is the experience of how this happens in our brains and um, what needs to happen in order for change to take place. And so I think that also can help it remove some of the morality that we assign to ourselves. You know, like I'm a bad person because I haven't yet changed or I'm lazy or I'm weak or, you know, whatever. No, you just haven't yet gotten to the point where you have either um, tied into your goals strongly enough um, with your values or what you really want out of life, um, or you are not yet um, psychologically at a place where you're ready to to jump in, and and that's okay. Yeah. Yay, science! <laughs> yeah, it just and shows it- that the the diet and fitness industry puts out a lot of information that is not about this. It's like taking you away from this stage and telling you that when you're in these different phases of stage, you are, you are wrong, you should be ashamed, you just need to try harder, uh, work more. And it just goes to show that the diet slash wellness slash even the fitness industry can be very non-evidence-based at times. They just want – I mean, they want to shove everyone into the action stage. And- right. And keep you there and show you what to do and not ever really examine like how you go about doing that. And why? Why is is that even important to you? Awesome. This is great. This was a f- Steve. This was a fun party. It was a good yeah. party. I'm glad I came. <laughs> Lauren's been in the corner digging into the chip bowl <laughs> at this party, just quietly. Lauren, no, we're not allowed to eat. Quiet, they won't Lauren fell asleep me. in the recliner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's that girl at the party. (laughs) Wake up. Okay. Thank you for joining us, ladies. Bye. 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 This episode is brought to you by our online coaching course, Balance 365. If you're ready to say goodbye to quick fixes and false promises and yes to building healthy habits and a life you're 100% in love with, then check out our program at balance365.co to learn more.